remain standing, and we're going to read uh, from Mark chapter number 5, not Mark, John, sorry, John chapter 5, this incredible story of this man, we could have called this a man, his mat, and a miracle, you know. So, so let's, let's use our loud voice and start with verse number one. Are you ready? Join me. Here we go. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Can you say amen to God's word? Amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Follow along in John chapter chapter number 5. The occasion was the Feast of Pentecost. The setting was the city of Jerusalem in early spring. The location was the pool of Bethesda in northeast Jerusalem. The pool was very large, nourished by underground springs, and surrounded by five beautiful porches. Every day, many people gathered their sick and their suffering with various diseases. But the man in this story was a cripple. He'd been that way for 38 years. Now, we don't know how long he'd been coming to this pool, but the implication in the story He'd been coming a long time every day, maybe all 38 years. Day after day, he came to the pool, waiting for the water to be stirred by the angel of the Lord so that he might enter into it and be healed. But it never happened for him. As he had seen many others healed, yet day after day, he went home the same. But on this particular day, Jesus walks in among this huge crowd, and he focuses on this one man. And he looks at him right in the eyes. Can you imagine the eyes of Jesus looking right at you? Those compassionate eyes that would even penetrate his soul. And he picked out this man. You know, the mysteries of God we don't fully understand. But on this day, Jesus looked at this man. And he asked a most unusual question. Think about how unusual this question is. He asked him, do you want to get well? Duh, wasn't that obvious? The man was there, had been coming every day. Wouldn't you have thought that would have been a silly question? Jesus, why are you asking him that kind of question? But Jesus is pinpointing something here. He's trying to get to the heart of something. See, Jesus did not ask him, do you want to walk again? He didn't ask him, do you want to be healed of your paralysis or your crippled condition? Jesus asked a far more encompassing question question about his whole life he said do you want to get well do you want to get well now the word well there could be better translated wholeness completeness soundness 
Jesus is asking, do you want to be whole? Jesus is much more concerned than just one part of our life. Many times we, we just want to look at one part of our life, but Jesus looks at the entirety of our life. He wants to bring wholeness. The same word wholeness in the Greek is used in Mark chapter 5 with a little woman of the issue of blood she had had for 12 years, and she pressed through the crowd, and she had said with her own mouth, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be healed. Jesus found her and said, Daughter, your faith has healed you and made you whole. Whole. Go in peace. You're set free from your suffering. Acts chapter 4, and Peter and John came to the, to the crippled man at the gate, beautiful, and healed him. And the Sanhedrin investigating the healing and the message they were preaching. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, If we're being called to count today on the act of kindness shown to a crippled man, know this, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, does this man stand before you completely healed, completely whole. The word whole is there. Completely whole. Jesus did more than merely heal people of their symptoms. Jesus had, did more than just take away the immediate physical problems. It was not enough for this cripple just to walk again. Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? That is really the meaning of the word salvation. We think of the word salvation, and we think of just forgiveness of our sins. Well, it means that, but much more. We, we think of being able to go to heaven someday and escape, escape the judgment of hell. Well, it means that, but it means more. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 1. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes, he is letting us know that the power of God is wholeness of life, wholeness in your spirit, your mind, your body. Salvation doesn't start when we die. Salvation begins right now. When you first met Jesus, that's when salvation started. Jesus did not merely come to forgive us of our sins and give us a hope in heaven and deliver us from the judgment of God. He came to give us life and life more abundantly, to make us whole and to restore us. This is what Paul meant in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 when he said, May the God of peace sanctify you through and through, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, salvation doesn't begin in the sweet by and by. It begins right now. Your mind can be healed. Your spirit can be healed. Your body can be healed. Your family can be healed. Your finances can be healed. The question is, do you want to be whole? When you open your life to the power of Jesus Christ, he restores us spirit, mind, and body. He brings us into the fullness of the image of God. And he is the Son of God, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Do you want to get well? The gospel is for the total man, the whole person. The message is your life can be whole. Your life can be full and complete. Your marriage can be joyful. You can have a good relationship with your kids. Your finances can come under divine order. Your mind can be renewed by the sanctifying power of the Spirit. Your inner hurts and emotional wounds can be healed by the very touch 
of Jesus. He is a life giver. He makes us completely whole spirit, mind, and body. And so this story, I see at least three things here that allows us to know what, how can we experience this wholeness that Jesus brought to this man and his mat on that day. Well, the first thing that Jesus is really pinpointing with this question, do you want to be whole, is number one, increase the passion, your passion for the Lord. Increase your passion for the Lord. See, wholeness begins with desire. Look at that word want. Do you want your life to be put back together? Do you want all that God has for you? You know, the desire in our heart directs our life. What do you want? You know, if you want something bad enough, you'll do everything you can to, to get what you want. And sometimes when somebody tries to force you to do something you don't want to do, you, you put, put up your guard and you say, no, I don't want that. What do you want? What's in the bottom of your heart? What is the desire of your heart? The first step to receiving God's power into our lives is to want it. But this man's desire had died years ago. He had lost hope. He had no vision that he could be healed. He had, he had lost his expectation. He'd seen many others get healed, but it never was for him. He was full of despair. And, and maybe you've seen other people experience a miracle and answer to prayer, and you wonder, is it ever going to happen to me? Is In that spirit of hopelessness, the enemy attacks us with and tries to overtake us with that. But Jesus walks by and awakens the desire in this man who had been this way for 38 years and said, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Maybe this man had become so comfortable in this situation that he didn't really want healing. Sounds kind of a, like a contradiction, doesn't it? But after all, when you're sick, then you have an excuse. I don't have to be responsible. When you're sick, you get extra attention. Some of us really like a lot of attention, don't we? Have you got any drama queens in your family? One of my grandkids, one of my grandkids Boy, you think she was dying, you know. It's just all this drama, you know. But then she can turn it off that quick. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing. You know, sometimes we get comfortable in our sickness, in our situation. This, this guy was receiving a lot of nurture, a lot of attention, you know, and, and the symptoms allowed him to escape other responsibilities. So may, maybe Jesus is pinpointing, do you really want to be healed? Are you willing to get up and take responsibility? You know, and, and, and so, so then, then when, when you realize this uh, about this man and, and his, his loss of hope, his, his, well, I don't know if I really want to be held, healed, well, it leads to complacency. And he'd really got complacent. If we're content with the way we are, if there's a spiritual complacency about us, if we're not growing in the Lord, if we become indifferent and apathetic to the things of God, we cannot change. God looks at our hearts and wants a heartfelt desire that we might hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's easy to allow the cares of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things to come in and to quench out and to choke out the very desire for the things of God. 
Amos talked about complacency, killing people's desires for God. Amos 6, 1, Woe to those who are complacent in Zion, who are at ease in the mountain and trust in the mountain of Samaria. Matthew 24, Jesus said, In the last days there will be those who, whose love will grow cold for the Lord. Complacency. You find yourself ever coasting and putting your spiritual life on autopilot. And the fire of the Spirit is dwindled in your heart. And it's a flickering flame. Let me encourage you to come before the living God and have a new hunger and a new thirst for the fullness of God. And you know, the devil can attack us with so much busyness and so many distractions and so much stuff that all of a sudden our heart is not where it needs to be. What was it about David that God liked? He said, David is a man after my own heart. In his heart, there was praise. In his heart, there was repentance and confession. When he sinned, God's looking for at our hearts today. Do we have a heart that goes after God? Do we have a heart that allow, causes us, when we first wake up in the morning, our first thought is for the Lord? And all of a sudden, it's like, that's more important than me getting my coffee or my breakfast or anything else. I've got to spend a little bit of time in the presence of God. Do we have a hunger and a thirst for the fullness of God? Are we satisfied where we're at? Are we complacent and apathetic and lukewarm? Are we stirred up in our soul and say, God, I've got to have more of you, more of you, Lord, more of you. Would you come and fill me to overflowing? Or do we find ourselves like the crowd with Moses, kind of shrinking back from the mountain of the Lord? And tell, they said, Moses, you go up and talk to God and come tell us what he said. We don't want to get too close to the Lord. There's something about the presence of God that we want, but we also kind of shrink back because we don't feel worthy, do we? We don't feel like we're, we're, we're acceptable enough. We don't feel like we're good enough. But it never has been about your good works. It's all about your heart. Do you want the Lord? Hallelujah. Do you want all that he has? He wants to come into your life. He's waiting for you to open the door. He's knocking on the door. He's knocking on the door. You've got to open the door, and when you do, he'll come in. Hallelujah. Are you hungry for the Lord? You see, God is still the God of Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. God doesn't deal with us when we're asleep in the lap of luxury. God doesn't deal with us when we're complacent and satisfied with the status quo, but God will still open the windows of heaven and pour out his spirit upon anyone who is hungry and thirsty for the fullness of God. He shall be filled, hallelujah. This is what Jesus was asking this man. Do you want wholeness in your life? Do you want to get well? But as crazy as that question sounds, then Jesus gave a command that sounds even crazier because he tells this crippled man to do what was impossible for him to do. He said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, why would God ask him to do something impossible for him to do? He asks us to do things that are impossible. And if we're not careful, we have the same response that this man had. He had a response that, that he, he gave an excuse. In fact, the first thing out of his mouth was, I can't. I can't do that. 
The New Living Translation really makes this clear by him saying, I can't. And he gives an excuse. Well, when, when I have no one to help me into the water, no one. Now, you know, he, he, he didn't, that wasn't true, was it? I have no one. He had, he had people that carried him there every morning and carried him back home at night. You know, he had all this attention. He had all these friends. He had these people. They knew about this guy. He's been coming here for a long time. But, he, but he's given an excuse to Jesus. I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, somebody else always gets in before me. But did his excuse affect Jesus in one way? It didn't. Jesus didn't even pay attention to his excuse. Never acknowledged it. Never wasn't sympathetic. I mean, the guy's trying to get a little sympathy here. You know, have you ever been in that, in that situation where he's saying, give me a little sympathy here, okay? Jesus gave him no sympathy. Jesus is drilling down to, the, to his basic problem. You know, not, not looking at excuses. Anybody ever argue with God? Anybody ever win? How about your excuses? Do they get very far with the Lord? My excuses never get very far with the Lord. I give God all these reasons, all these excuses why I can't do this and why I can't do that. And it doesn't affect the Lord because when the Lord says he wants us to do something, he tells us it's his word. It's the power of his word. The power of Jesus' word when he said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk, that was the word of the Lord and that just caused all of his excuses to just fall by the wayside. No more excuses now. Do you want to get well? Then get up, pick up your mat, and walk. In other words, get up. Don't, don't lay where you're at. Get up from that place of hopelessness. Get up from that place of despair. Get up from that place of complacency. Get up, exert some energy. Don't just lie there in defeat. Do what you can, and God will make up the difference. God always expects, expects us to do what we can. And what he's really getting at here is a change of this man's heart, a change of his attitude to get over the excuse, to get past the I can't, and to realize that God was able. God was able to do what he was doing. And then he said what? He said to pick up your mat. And so it tells us the guy got up, rolled up his mat, Pick up your mat and do what? Walk. So here's this guy now with the mat that he's laid on for 38 years, was carried to this place morning and night. This mat represented his past, represented what he had depended on, represented his source. This was the I can't. I'm bound to this. I can't do this. And Jesus is saying, you can. Get up. Roll up that mat, pick up that mat, carry that mat back home, and walk back home. And don't you know he had the attention of a lot of people that day walking down the street. Because immediately they see this guy, that's the cripple. That's the cripple. That's the cripple. He was carried this morning. Look, he's walking. He's carrying his mat. He's going forward. What's, what's the Lord trying to get him to see, see and realize here? The second thing in your outline is to realize your new potential in Christ. To realize your new potential in Christ. He's arguing with the Lord. He's saying to the Lord, I can't do this. And the Lord said, you can. There's more potential in you than you realize. 
If you're saying I can't do something that God's asking you to do, it's because you're only looking at your own strength. None of us can do what God asks us to do in our own strength. But you don't need to stop there. You need to realize if this is the word of the Lord to me, then I can do it through Christ who strengthens me. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creation. I'm a child of God. Yes, the Lord's got potential greater than any of us can imagine for each one of us, for our families, for this church, because the Lord is calling to us. Get up out of your comfort zone. Get up out of your complacency. Get up out of your lethargy. Get up out of your chair of doubt and unbelief. Quit looking at yourself. Quit depending on that that can't help you, the mat. And get up, pick up your mat, and let's start walking. Let's start walking. The walk there, the, the, the word there in the Greek is the present continuous tense, which the best way to translate that would be to walk and to keep on walking. It wasn't a one-time thing. It wasn't a one-time blessing. No, Jesus was wanting to affect his whole life from that day forward. He said, I want you to walk and keep on walking. But the guy's arguing, I can't do this. Yes, you can. Take one step. Get up. Pick up the mat. One step. You see, we always want to look too far ahead, don't we? The Lord wants us to just look at one step at a time. I can take that step. I can take the next step and the next step, and we keep walking. And the idea was God wants us to realize that we can walk with him. We are in a partnership with him. We can realize what what we really can do when we're depending totally upon the Lord, not upon the ways of man, but on the ways of the Lord, when we realize our full potential of the Lord and we enter into this partnership and we realize what God wants to do in and through us. So increase your passion for God. Do you want to get well? Are you excited about the things of God? How do you treat Sunday morning? Is Sunday morning something you anticipate and you get excited about? I was, I was raised by a mom. My dad was backslid for years, and I have a brother and sister. So my mom got three of us kids ready, and we had one bathroom. But we started getting ready for Sunday morning on Saturday night. How many know there's more to that than just the physical preparation? It's the mental. It's the spiritual. It's the heart preparation. On Saturday night, we'd polish our shoes, get our shoes ready. We get our Sunday best clothes out. We take our Saturday night bath where we needed one or not. Mom said, you're going to take a bath. Saturday night, we're going to get ready. We're going to church tomorrow. We wasn't up for a vote. We weren't going to wait till we got up Sunday morning to see what time we got up when, and then decide whether or not we're going to go. No, we were going. We were getting ready on Saturday night. We were to bed early. We were up early. Mom was up at 5 o'clock on Sunday morning. She taught a Sunday school class for years. She'd prepared a Sunday school class and put the roast and the potatoes in the oven and knew we had to be home by a certain time, right, or the roast would be a burnt sacrifice. <laughs> She's getting everything ready. She's getting us ready. And she gets us in the car, and we're, we're driving to church, and I'll never forget Mom on the way to church. She was praising the Lord. She was saying, I can hardly wait to see what God is going to do today. I'm ready to see the presence of God. She had an anticipation. She had an excitement. Where's your desire at today? 
Where is your thirst? Where is your hunger? Are you excited about coming on Sunday morning to see what the Lord will do? Or is it just so you can see your friends and go through religious motions? We shouldn't have a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. We need to have hearts that go after God, hearts that want everything God's got for us. And when that happens, we'll hear the word of the Lord. And when we hear the word of the Lord, it'll be get up out of that place of defeat. Pick up your mat and quit depending on that and depend on me. Start walking with me and I'll show you what I can do because there's great potential in every one of you and the Lord's calling that potential out. He's calling it out. Walk with me, walk with me. And that leads us to number three. Number three is express all praise to Jesus. Express all praise to Jesus because this guy's walking and the Jewish leaders see him. And what do they say? You can't. Now he was saying, I can't. The Lord's word took, changed his vocabulary from I can't to he's, now he's doing it. Now these guys come along and say, you can't. There's always somebody out there that's going to say, you can't do. You can't do that. But you need to be like this guy because they said you can't and he said well you're too late I'm doing it you're too late I've already rolled I've already got up I've already rolled this up I'm already walking with the Lord you're too late for that and they said well well, who who told you to do that the guy didn't even know well I don't know but he told me to do it and I started doing it the rest of the story is important that you don't stop right there because let's look at the rest at the rest of the story starting in verse verse number 13 look at 13 the man the man didn't know for Jesus had disappeared in the crowd but afterward Jesus found him in the temple and told him aren't you glad Jesus found you you didn't find Jesus he found you this crowd of people and Jesus found this, this one guy. Second experience now with Jesus. He finds him, and what does Jesus say this time? He says, now you are well. Now you are well, whole, whole. You're not just healed physically. You are whole now. So stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Wow. So now he has the complete experience by meeting Jesus and knowing him as Savior, as Redeemer. Now he's healed and made whole completely inside out. Now he knows who Jesus is. Now he's got a story. Now he's going to give praise to the Lord. So he leaves there, and what does he do? He goes right back to the Jewish leaders who told him he couldn't do this. They said, that's against the, our rules. That's against our law. You can't do that on the Sabbath. He said, I'm going to go tell them now who, that it's Jesus that changed my life. He's got a story. You've got a story. Everybody's got a story. It's a story of praise. Psalm 107 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's the New King James. 
the New International Version says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Tell their story. You've got a story. You've met Jesus. He's healed you. He's made you whole. He's come into your life. He's calling potential out of you. He's calling you to walk with him and depend on him and not anything else. You've got a story. Nobody can deny your story. Go tell your story. There's no better way than to, than to give praise to God than to tell people what Jesus did for you. Has he saved you? How many are saved today? You've got a story. How many have had an answer to prayer? You've got a story. How many have had a miracle? You've got a story. You see, you've got a story. Now start out by condensing your story down to about two minutes and be ready because there are lots of opportunities out there where you can share your story. You're not preaching to them. They can't deny your story. It's your story. Everybody wants to hear your story. You tell your story. That two-minute story can lead to a much longer story if they, if, when, when the Lord opens the door. But be ready with that two-minute story. Give praise to God. Say, Lord, today, this week, I'm going to share what you've done for me. You see, many times God has not completed the work of healing and wholeness in our life because we're not willing to tell the story. We're not willing to give glory to God. We're not willing to give him praise. That's the reason it was so important for Laura to get up here and declare their story of healing of her sister and the miracle of her sister, and it's going out everywhere. You say, I don't have a, a story like that, but you've got a story. Okay, Your story is just as important as anybody else. And so we got to give praise to the Lord. we got to give him all the praise, give him all the glory, because that's where God operates is when we're giving him praise and glory, not just by singing the songs on Sunday morning, but with our mouth. We say so. We tell. We share the story. We say, Lord, whoever you put in my path this week, I'm going to tell the story, Lord. I'm going to tell the story of what you've done for me. How many love the Lord that much that you're willing to tell the story? You're willing to give God the glory. Amen? Amen? Do you want your heart stirred up? I want my heart stirred up. I want to have more passion for the Lord, don't you? Do you want to have a greater, a greater vision of the potential of what God can do through you? I do. God can do anything through any of us, through all of us together. And I want to be quick to give him all the glory and all the praise for what he has done, what he's doing, and what he will yet do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, stand with me right now. And let's give, let's give God the praise for what he's done. Give him praise right now. Give him praise and glory and honor and say, Lord, you are worthy of all praise. You are the only one worthy. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. You're my healer. Lord, I was paralyzed. I had no hope. I was in defeat. I was on a mat laying in defeat and failure. But, Lord, you call my name. You found me. You, you called out that potential in me. You told me to get up. You told me, Lord, to pick up my mat and walk. And, Lord, you've given me a story, and I'm going to share the story, Lord. I'm going to share the story. Give me opportunity to give you praise and to share my story. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're not, if you're not whole today, any area of your life, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial, any area where you might need a miracle or you want to stand in for somebody, as we sing this song, I want you to step out 
I want you to hear the Lord saying, get up from where you're at. I want you to hear the Lord saying, walk, walk with me. The Lord's ready, ready to do more miracles among us. So for yourself or you want to stand in for somebody, come stand here at the front and let's worship this. Worship the Lord on this song as you come, then we'll pray, and then we'll be on our way in just a little bit. Let's sing together and worship Him. Nothing compares. 